You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 180, Talk About Purpose and Confidence with Don Mamoni. Don Mamoni's decade-long career in hospitality culminated with their role as the director of events at the prestigious Beverly Hilton. Determined to embrace their creativity and pursue the dream of entrepreneurship, Don and their wife, Emily, opened a photography studio and have exceeded the expectations of their loyal clients from Dallas to destinations around the world for over 15 years. As a speaker and coach, Don teaches audiences and clients how to reach their maximum potential and impact by discovering and embracing their true identity. Having recently come out as non-binary, Don is a committed advocate for the LGBTQIA community and consults with companies and organizations dedicated to diversity, inclusivity, and representation, as well as creating safe spaces that support and encourage unapologetic authenticity. When they are not traveling the world for creative projects and speeches, Don lives happily outside the gender binary in Dallas, Texas, with their talented spouse, Emily, and their creative child, Frankie. Don is one of my favorite people in the entire world, and I'm very honored that they are here with us today. Go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, and I'm joined by, quite honestly, one of my favorite people. And I know I say that sometimes, but I am I fucking mean it every time. Please help me welcome Don Mamoni. Don, how are hello. you? I'm spectacular. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. I feel like this has been a long time coming. And with my bananas schedule... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this was supposed to happen last year, but I'm glad it's happening now. I'm super glad that it's happening now. And I just do believe in the universe puts things in front of us when they need to happen. And so this just needed to happen now. I love it. I love it. You are here today to talk about purpose and confidence and self-identity. And it's a topic that I actually don't think we've covered in the almost three years of this show. So I am thrilled you're here. But why is this your topic? Well, that's a really interesting question, and I don't know how much uh, time your viewers have, but I'm going to go ahead and encourage them to pause it right now. <laughs> go get uh, a favorite caffeinated beverage, bottle of water, I don't know, Love it. adult beverage. No judgment yes. here. Uh, I can take you all the way back, and I'm going to synopsize this as best I can. So uh, I was in hospitality for the better part of 10 years. After those 10 years, I decided to pursue a passion in photography. I met my beautiful and talented wife. We have been running a wildly successful photography company for the last 15 years. And in the summer of 2017, I had a nine month old precious little gift that was my whole world and still is. And it was on a very warm day in Dallas, Texas, that I finally found the courage to tell my wife of at that time, seven years, that there's something different about me. And uh, I came out to her as non-binary, but not eloquently and not with all the right words. I did it through ugly crying and sobs and choking on words and basically just said something to the effect of, 
for my entire life, I have known that there is both woman and male inside of me or masculine and feminine. And I've hidden it from the world for fear of the fallout and the consequences. And I'm not willing to do that anymore because we have this precious gift and I'm going to be the role model for her that makes sure she understands that she can be anything she wants and do anything she wants and love whoever she wants and marry whoever she wants. And the interesting journey that I want to on over the last five years, figuring out who I am and then coming out publicly in 2021 has been probably the most exciting, crazy, scariest ride mm -hmm. of my life. And I want everybody on that train. I love it. I didn't realize that you'd only come out in 2021. Yeah. So I don't tend to do anything halfway. Yeah. I mean, well, and when I say that I had never talked about it to anybody before my wife, literally my sister's my best friend. I have a great relationship with my mom, uh, really good longstanding friends. I just buried it so deep that I just figured that was the way I was going to live my life forever. And it wasn't until my daughter came along and was the catalyst for this is not the role model you want to be that I, that I finally did it. And then once I did it and figured it out and felt that sweet, sweet sigh of relief of being exactly who I am, no matter where I go and no matter who I'm with, that's when I realized this is my superpower and I get to share this with the world. And I actually have a framework I'm going to take you through in a little bit so that your audience can kind of get a taste of this. But I'm firmly entrenched in the belief that everybody has a coming out story. Every one of us at one point or another in our lives kind of puts something in a box and says, I'm allowed to do anything I want, but I'm not allowed to share that or do that. And uh, it's a limiting belief that will forever and always affect our capability, our potential and our impact. And we're here to shatter that today, Renee. I love that. When you say coming out story, just to clarify for people, because I know a question probably popped up in some people's minds. We're not just talking about gender or sexuality. You're talking about any any part of your life, right? Yeah. So like the, the coming out concept is oftentimes associated with the LGBTQIA2S plus community. And that makes total sense because for centuries, they've basically been marginalized and fearful of being their authentic self. So it totally makes sense. But in speaking about gender, DE&I, and I add an R for representation, right? So if you don't know what DE&I stands for, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And I use the R on the end there. And it is an opportunity for us to talk about gender expansiveness. Um, and it, it sort of makes total sense where we would hide from it. But as I started to talk about it and live my truth out and proud, people kept running up to me, Renee, and saying, oh my God, I see myself in your story. And they would tell me what that thing was yeah. that they were hiding or what that thing was that they were afraid of. If people know this, what will the fallout be? And it was at that moment that I made this sort of connection between, oh my gosh, yes, it's very common and it's very popular for us to associate a coming out with members of the community. But yes, you're 100% on point. Everybody at one point in their life, personally, professionally, socially, intimately, has some sort of coming out. And that moment is a sweet, sweet sigh of relief. It's true. Yes, it is. <sighs> it's like a deep sigh moment where you just go like, yeah, that's fucking true. Whether it's like coming out as an entrepreneur for people who think that 
the only thing to do is a nine to five. You know what I mean? Coming out as Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't believe in their religion of origin anymore. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to think of all the different things I can think of just in my own experience, you know, of things that used to be true that are no longer true or people perceived as true, but were never true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And yeah. And then, you know, they, they end up in a place where I've had, I'll give you a couple examples because it is really, it's a, the human tapestry that exists. Like the one common bond amongst us all is humanity. And so after I've given this talk, I've had people run up to stage and talk to me afterwards. One of them uh, had engaged in self-harm and almost committed suicide because their parent told them at one point in their life that they could either be a doctor or a lawyer, pick one. So they went into pre-med and was so miserable that they almost took their own life. And then they realized, I don't need to do this and went on to quit med school, became a musician and is now the leader of a very popular band. And I've had people come out to me and say, you know, my spouse doesn't understand the entrepreneurial life. And it's been really hard for me. I felt like I had to hide that, that love and that drive and that the crazy in first outlast, do whatever it takes to get it done lifestyle. Like that's, that's sweet, sweet for me. And it's bitter, bitter for them. And I'm like, listen, if you say to me right here in this coaching session at my core, I align with my identity is that of an entrepreneur, then no matter what you do, no matter how you try to hide it, you get to tell your spouse, Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. And, And Renee, we can stop right there for a quick like deep sigh moment, I want your audience to understand that the words I am are two of the most powerful words in the human language. When you put an affirmation or an identity after it, I am an entrepreneur, not something I do, not something I like, not something that I pass the time. I am an entrepreneur means that it is part of your core and to deny it, to hide it, to try to do something else is basically just postponing the inevitable. And at one point you will have to confront that conflict and step fully into being an entrepreneur. Yeah. (sighs) Deep sigh moment. Deep sigh moments, guys. How does our identity take shape? It's something that is, you know, formed from childhood, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. So I have these groupings of things, right? The, The first thing that we receive as we develop an identity is foundation. We have foundations that are laid for us. And I like to say that there's two conditions that make those troublesome. We have a foundation laid for us before we have a voice and a choice. So we don't get to choose these foundations and we don't get to say what we think about them until long before they're sort of ingrained in our existence. And I'll just give you a couple of examples for your audience to kind of ruminate on. Uh, your religious affiliation, where you grow up, your cultural background, the influences you have on your life, um, people that are in your life, things like that are formative, right? They're foundational and they're formative. And then we go on into life and we create, based on our knowledge and our experience, what I call filters. Now, they can be the same thing. So you can have an influence that's a foundation, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a teacher, uh, a religious leader, but you can also have an influence that's a filter, a teacher later in life, a spouse, a good friend. And what happens is we either identify with or as something or we rebel against it. And so 
one of the things that's a real challenge is when we look at life, Renee, and we believe like, hey, these are our foundations. They are what they are. I don't disagree with that. And that's hard for people. People want to say they can change. Oh, I'll just change. Well, most of these foundations are so deeply laid and so thick. And it's like trying to pull up the sidewalk with a teaspoon. It's just, it's not going to happen. You, <laughs> right. you just can't change it. But what you can do is confront it, right? This conflict arises and you're like, I don't know that I align with this anymore. And yeah. when you uh, face that conflict and you decide whether or not you want to conform to it because you still agree with it and it's in alignment with your core values and your beliefs and how you want to live your life, great. But when you don't, you get to pick up arms, you get to become a rebel, and you get to rebel against it, and you get to change it. And that's basically how identity is formed and how identity continues to take form or take shape and how we adapt and grow. Foundations are still there, but we lay a filter over them and we say, hey, listen, I was raised Catholic, but I choose not to identify as a Catholic or identify with Catholicism anymore. And so um, it's a really wonderful, liberating thing to acknowledge that, that we get to make that choice every single time we feel like there's a p potential for conflict. Yeah. Yes. So we have these identities that are given to us, right, before we have a choice. And mm -hmm. like you said, we can choose yay or nay as we move through our life and, and our, our grown adulthood. But how does this identity, how does it affect our personal and professional lives? Like whether we choose to to say, yes, that was me and it's no longer me now, or if we just keep these beliefs that were given to us without our choice. Yeah, so really it's a cyclical environment in which we tend to exist. If human beings, I think largely, or in large part, are like conflict averse, they don't like confrontation, they don't want to deal with difficult things. And so a lot of times we say, oh, that's that's not a thing. I'm just not going to deal with that. We ostrich, right? We put our heads in the sand. And when I say that that happens, I want to remind everybody that I was 41 years old before I told another human being on this planet about what I knew in my heart and in my head to be true since I was, I don't know, somewhere from the age of like five or six. So it's incredibly common for us to really and truly just say, I'm just not going to deal with that. Once we acknowledge a misalignment, you can't unsee it. And a misalignment oftentimes expresses itself in our lives through anxiety, stress, having a short fuse, um, having health issues, struggling with things that we don't otherwise want to have to deal with. And professionally, it's the same thing. Self-limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome, not showing up, lacking in confidence. And so when I say, and I genuinely mean that when we see the conflict and we run it through this, our barometers, our metrics for whether it aligns with our core values and who we know ourselves to be, and we take committed and courageous action, it removes the limiter. Everything in our lives gets better. Yeah, I think the committed and courageous action is the part that people that gives people the extra anxiety. Yeah, and that's why I have a framework, and, and we can dig into that a little bit right now. Um, yeah, I think it's to. fun because um, I talk about the Asian words a lot with my clients, Renee, and, and when I speak. Um, education uh, is really important. We need to know the logistics. And inspiration and motivation are good because they lift up our hearts and souls. 
one of the hardest Asian words is implementation. People, even when they know what they've heard and they love it and they're inspired by it, they don't know how to actually make the rubber meet the road and yeah. get to where they want to go. So, you know, there's a four step framework that I talk about with all of my clients when they're in this place of like, I just don't know how. Part of it is because we're critical human beings and we believe that we're not doing it right or that we're not doing it fast enough. And so the first thing I do is I give to every client the gift of like, you get to do this at your own pace, in your own time and in your own way, right? So the framework I believe holds true for everybody, but how they get there and how fast they get there is up to them. And so the first step is acknowledgement. So I had buried this thing about my gender identity for 40 years. My daughter coming into my life helped me understand that I had to acknowledge it because a lack of acknowledgement meant an impact on her that I wasn't willing to make. The next can, one is, can I ask go ahead. Just what, I'm just so sorry yes. to interrupt you, but can I ask like, did that sort of hit you all at once or did you sort of see that coming? So that's a great question. Thank you, Renee, for asking it. It was the equivalent of somebody putting a brick on a scale every day for like <laughs> a year. And oh, wow. the reason I say it that way is, I mean, I had known it my whole life. I had hit it or denied it for my whole life and just felt like it's just something weird about me and it is what it is and I'm just not going to acknowledge it. Once she was born and I looked into those precious brown eyes and thought, you're going to change the world. You're going to do amazing things. The idea that I would represent anything less than unconditional self-love and unconditional love for her, it it was like my, it was in my brain and yeah. those bricks got heavier and heavier and heavier until one day, it, the way it played itself out, Renee, is, is I believe you've met Emily on a couple of occasions. We have an yeah. ease and a flow to our relationship that is just yeah. so comforting. Yes. When I need to talk, we talk. When she needs to talk, we talk. And I kept trying to tell her. And what happened was mm -hmm. I would choke on the words. I would change the subject. I would say something banal. Just, just I couldn't get the words out until I finally called her and said, hey, I need to talk. And she said, sure. And I said, no, let's, let's, um, let's have your mom watch the baby and, and we'll just, we'll go for a chat. And literally like alarm bells went off and she said, now I'm worried. What's the matter? I said, yeah. it's fine. I just need to have a chat with you. We'll go, we'll go somewhere. We'll have a chat. And it was because I knew that I could not do it. It needed to be done because I st literally started having the beginning levels of panic attack and yeah. kind of the feeling of being trapped. Um, and so it needed to happen. And so to say that, like, did it hit me all at once? No, but did it escalate quickly? Once I acknowledged that this wasn't a, a misalignment I was willing to or able to live with anymore, it sure did escalate quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, thank you for that. I just wanted to just wanted to share that because I think sometimes if someone's listening and they're in that place, they're like, well, how do I know when it's time? You know, and I think, as you said, no one else can tell you that. But I just wanted to illustrate what you went through. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And and I will say that if we admit it to ourselves, that's usually the biggest and first step. We, we can, we as humans are pretty funny about how we um, tell ourselves stories or uh, convince ourselves, well, that's not, that's not, that's not what's really happening. Um, once I acknowledge what was really happening, um, it was, it was kind of a, 
an, an immediate thing. It's kind of like the overnight success thing. I, I was, I had been, it had been working on me for years and then yeah. suddenly it was like this thing. I, I can't not do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's a really great question. And I want everybody to lean into self-care and comfort uh, that again, you, like Renee confirmed, like you do this at your own time. You know, if, if people out there are telling you like you have to do this faster or can't believe you haven't done this by now, nothing productive comes from that. So you get to uh, make, take that first step when you're ready. You get to acknowledge it. Now, the next one is rough. The next one is the part at which you can't hide it or deny it. You've acknowledged it. And this is where you accept it. Okay. You may not know exactly what it means. You may not love it quite yet. You may not see the benefit to it and you might be scared of it, but you basically move from that place of denial and saying like, this isn't a thing or I don't need to deal with it. You accept it, right? So the first step you see it at this point, you kind of have to welcome it and say, okay, I acknowledge that you're here and I accept that you're a thing. Yeah. Third step. Third step is so beautiful. This is where we embrace it. And when I say embrace it, I pick that word specifically because we want to start to love this thing. We want to embrace it. We want to literally give it a hug. And I want to say that this is less hard than the acceptance part, but everybody goes through this journey however they do, and it's unique to them. Yeah. This is where we turn the tide and it's the, it's the beautiful moment when we realize that this thing, there's probably going to be a cost to embracing it, right? I say frequently to clients and online and when I speak, the cost of authenticity is privilege. That's hmm. a big price. Yeah. What I what I oftentimes remind my clients and that they see when they get to the other side, it's scary to not know what the cost is, right? But I will tell you that I've not yet come to a situation where a person hasn't looked back and said, totally worth whatever the price was that I'm going to pay. Because the <laughs> freedom beautiful. and the joy... And yeah. the potential and the impact, it's so great that whatever the cost is, even if it's dear, it's worth it. Mm. And then the last step is my favorite. The last <laughs> step is ownership. So I'm going to run through the four again, and I'm going to tell you about ownership. So the first thing we do is acknowledge it. Then we accept it. Then we embrace it. And then we own it. And the own it part is the part where we have learn to love it so much that we can't help but share it with the world and live an unapologetic existence, love ourselves unconditionally and without capacity to the degree where we're making the world a better place because of it. And it's just so profound because what you realize in that moment the thing that you thought was your kryptonite, the thing that you were the most afraid of, the thing that you knew was going to take you down becomes the superhero cape that you put on every day before you go out. And then you change the world for the better because of it. That's when that price doesn't matter. That's when you realize, holy smokes, I'm a better everything. I'm going to have more impact. 
my potential is now unlimited. And you just go into every day with a completely different mindset. What do you say to people though, who are, you know, but before they knew of this framework, perhaps like at that point where, you know, they've acknowledged they, um, you know, they are accepting it in themselves. They're not quite at the place where they want to share it with the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the sharing it part is for everyone? <laughs> or do you think that that is unique to people like yourself who are interested in education and, and bettering, you know, everyone? So I think there's a covert way to share that with the world. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. But when I say embrace it and take ownership of it, I don't mean putting on a sandwich board and getting a bell and standing on the street corner and being an activist (laughs) per se. Right. But what I will say is we have a way of showing the world who we are without being ostentatious about it. I think what I think what the the takeaway to the ownership part is not that it has to be an outward sign of look at me, I'm this thing and this is how i make things better it could 100 percent just be an internal acknowledgement of i've been in this place of misalignment i'm not going to be in that place of misalignment anymore and i'm going to stop saying i'm sorry that would i probably say be the one that's kind of the easiest habit to break to step into this place because basically the way that i say it um renee is We live in a world where we're so busy doing that we forget to, or we don't know how to be. And that's that last step, right? Mm -hmm. So as an example, and and I'm going to join the uh, expletive train here because this is one of my favorite examples because I think that every woman who's listening to this podcast right now, every feminist or feminist leaning person of any gender that's been in a situation has seen this. There are women that downplay who they are, that play small, that don't use their voice because they fear this age old idea that if you're an assertive woman in a place of business and you stand up and have confidence, well, you're just a bitch and we need you to calm down. And yeah, I had a nickel for every time I've been called a bitch behind my back. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure you would be doing very well. And yes. one of the things we get to think about before I finish this great story is people's opinions of us are none of our fucking business. Number one, there you it go. says more about them than it does about us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we step fully into who we are and we start being we stop worrying about what the impact and the opinions and the voices in our head say. And we say, listen, I can't not be this thing because this is who I am. That moment is a totally covert way of taking ownership and making the world a better place. So for example, if you uh, are listening to this podcast and you align with this story that I'm telling you and, um, you step fully into the fact that you are a confident, powerful, vocal woman, and you show that to the world and you take ownership in the boardroom or as an entrepreneur, and you don't allow people to limit your opportunities. You don't play small. 
you're showing other women, your daughters, your daughter's friends, this is the way we get to live in this world, unfettered by the idea that a stand-up woman is is a bitch. I'm not going to worry myself with that anymore. So that's the way that we take ownership of just being. Because the shoulds, the can'ts, the limitations, the expectations, those aren't part of being. Those are part of doing. And it's a construct that we get to exist outside of. 100%. So my question for you is, for everyone listening who might be resonating with the framework that you've given, or, or you know, there's like, they have that little itch under their skin that's like something isn't aligned here. And so, you know, they do the work to align themselves on the inside. And then we get to talk about how to design the business and life that they really want to create. Well, maybe people already have a business that's been created quite, maybe not quite in the way they, they fully align with. Do you have any tips on how to sort of um, tweak what's already, what's already in existence to fit this new version of you? Yeah, that's a great question, Renee. There was a book called The Big Leap. It was written uh, by uh, Gail Hendricks, I believe it is. Yes, and we're big fans of that book on this show. We love this I'm book. so glad. I mean, I, I devoured that book. And the tenant, the key tenant that I want to talk about that was in that book was this concept of our, our zones of excellence and our zones of genius. Like, yes, I want everybody to understand something. When I came out to my wife in August of 2017, I was a good-looking, passing, cisgendered male. Uh, I say with a great deal of pride and humility. I was uh, running a wildly successful business. I had culminated a 10-year hospitality career being the director of events at the Beverly Hilton. I was not huddled in a corner sucking my thumb in the fetal position because I had hidden and denied something about myself for the better part uh, of 40 years. But what I will say is I had not unlocked my zone of genius yet. So we can be wildly successful and happy, or at least appear happy most of the time because we're great at convincing ourselves that this is as good as it gets. But once we make that journey through the four steps and we get to that level of holy smokes, this is the real and genuine me and what I'm capable of, we get to advance that forward. The advice that I have is take it slow, Absolutely 100% we get to look at what gets to be kept, what gets to be changed, and we get to remember that there will be prices that get paid, right? Yeah. What I tell people is when they, when they craft their business, right, everything's ever evolving. And so my big fear was when I came out publicly, um, will people still want to do business with me? Well, we've worked so hard to build this business over 15 years and successful. And here we are coming out of a global pandemic. Everybody's already struggling and I'm going to add this element of my identity to it. Uh, and I wasn't shy about it. I, I did all the research and I um, did a lot of personal development work and, and dug deep into like the hardest pl place to shine a light is in. I'm going to acknowledge that right now. Like all of you that are listening, they're thinking, okay, we're going to do this deep work with Don. This is not the easy work. This is the really hard, oftentimes complicated work. But yeah. when I came out of it, I was like, okay, great. Wheels are off. Like <laughs> I'm going to put my pronouns everywhere. I'm going to talk publicly and openly. I'm going to change my picture. Everybody gets to know that I'm non-binary. And that if you're going to want to work with me, I'm not going to show up in a pink prom dress to your corporate event just to make a point. 
but I'm not going to come in the standard business suit uh, that you would see a cisgendered male wear. And if that's not okay for you, that's okay. I get it. I'm not the right photography team for you and you might not be my client. But I will say that my communication pattern has changed, okay? I will say that the way in which I show up, oftentimes the way I photograph, the way I speak and coach and consult has all changed because I've moved into the zone of genius. And referring back to that book again, what got me to where I was wouldn't have ever gotten me to where I am now. And that, that gap, that gap is like the Grand Canyon. It's so big. It's so wonderful that I tell people like, if you've got the itch and you want to make the change, okay, you get to take it slow. I will also say little plug here. You don't have to do it alone, right? That's right. We've, we've, we've beaten a path, some of us that have gone through this process before you, and we're happy to usher you up. Now I do tell people, everybody's mountain is different and nobody's going to have a path that takes you all the way. And if they do, I think they might be misguided, right? right. No pun intended. Right. They can usually <laughs> get you there faster and maybe with the less work, but there's going to be some of it that you'll have to do on your own because you're a unique, special individual. So what gets us to that? Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add in a little bit of Mad Libs, okay? I love doing this because what I remind people is in our personal lives, as entrepreneurs, as I'm sure most of the people that listen to this amazing podcast are, as entrepreneurs, right? Like our brand and marketing, it has to be on point and it has to be in alignment with who we are. And so what I tell people Mad Libs style is, right? Your personal blank is your business blank in two accords. Number one, your personal identity, who you are, right, is the core and the foundation of your brand. So if you're out of alignment with who you are, your brand is going to be out of alignment with what you're trying to accomplish, who you are in this world, who you're going to serve, how you're going to serve them. You won't attract your ideal client. You won't be charging the maximum rates. You won't have figured out how to uncommodify your business. So this identity work that you do, freeing yourself from limitations of like, well, I, I can't be, it, Renee, you're a perfect example of this. Well, I can't be too bold. I can't cuss. I can't this. I can't that. <laughs> people will this, people will that. Okay. Yeah. Renee does a spectacular job of being on brand. You know exactly what you're going to get identity wise. And then when we take that one level further, our marketing is an extension of our voice. And so many people are so concerned about either they're either concerned or they're misaligned in their identity. Therefore, their voice is muddled and quiet. It's like standing in the middle of a field saying like, hey, everybody, come over here. Welcome. Like you're, <laughs> nobody can hear you. And yeah. you change your voice or you change your language, right? I mean, it's popular and people have said it a million times. I can't claim this, but like if you market to everyone, you're never going to market to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. same is true is if you use a voice that's supposed to be like, okay, for everyone, then you're not, nobody's going to hear the true you. And so I tell people, I'll go through and I'll do sort of like an identity and marketing and brand audit for them from a perspective of their personal and, and professional alignment. And I'm like, so I read your copy and uh, we did a discovery call. And on the discovery call, you were fun and quirky and, and alive. And I read your copy and it's like corporate and stale. And well, you know, I don't know if everybody's ready for me or like, I don't. And I said, you know, 
If they're not ready for you, then they're not your client. And the worst possible thing that can happen, and I'm sure you know this, Renee, from all the work that you've done to build your brand as well as you have, if you show up one way and your voice and your marketing is another, people are confused and they're immediately like, a confused mind says no. Like, oh yeah, no. No, they, yeah, there's lack of trust there for sure. Yeah, I mean, they smell it, like pigs smell truffles and they're like, I don't know exactly what's wrong here, but there's something wrong. There's a misalignment. There's no trust here. I don't know which one I'm gonna get. So when I talk about the deep work that we do, uh, when I coach clients, when I speak on stage, people walk away and largely they're like, yeah, a hundred percent I've been hiding from or denying. And now I see how it's playing out in my business and I want to fix all the things. And, and so my number one, I mean, this is a really long winded answer to a really great question. The number one thing is walk your way through those steps in the framework. And then once you get to the part where you're truly ready to embrace it and take ownership of it, the next steps you just take slowly. You look at it and you say, where's the misalignment? And now how do I just course correct? It doesn't have to be some mass. I know you're going to probably want to. I will say that most of my clients become voraciously hungry to correct and to get back into alignment or to get an alignment for the first time. And I yeah. consistently tell them, like, listen, we don't turn something this big on a dime. We're going to turn it slowly. It's going to be amazing. And the cool thing about it is Rome may not be built in a day, but we can lay bricks all the long way and then you get to see the benefits you get to see the changes and um, yeah. it's really it's a pretty awesome experience to both have participated in and then to watch kind of consistently happen over and over again for people yeah i want to ask you a question about fear because one of the things that i sort of preach about you know from stage and, and in my coaching clients too is like you know the idea of just doing it scared which mm -hmm. I still think is, I always think it's good advice, but when we talk about something like identity, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that that's the most, <laughs> that that's the healthiest advice to just do it scared because there is a real, um, for some people in some circumstances, right? There is a real risk of sort of burning it all down. And what do you, what can you say to sort of, um, you know, guide people through that if they really do have that fear that is like above and beyond the, the, you know, motivational do it scared, like, were you scared and how did you get over that? Or did you ever, oh <laughs> did you do it no matter what? <laughs> what a great question. So yes, did I feel compelled to act because I could not live under the weight, the crushing weight of this misalignment in my identity? 100%. The only choice I made was that I no longer had a choice to live in denial and to live in fear and in hiding. So I will tell you that standing in that park with my wife at the time, it was to this very day, the most afraid, scared, petrified of what the fallout would be I've ever been in my whole life. And I did it anyway. And I say this because it's not that I thought Emily wouldn't love me and respect me and acknowledge who I am and want to support me. It's that as a cisgendered heterosexual woman, as she identifies and has told me, the idea of then being with someone who's non-binary, she would have had every right to say, listen, Don, I love you and I'll support you and I'll do that as your friend, but this isn't a journey I get to go on with you. I can't, I can't do it or I won't do it. She would have had every right. I would not have been able to begrudge her that because that's in alignment with her. I'm fortunate to say that she looked at me and said, you're my person and we're going to figure this out together and it doesn't matter what you look like or any of those things. I love you and we're in this together. But I will tell you, literally the most afraid I've ever been 
So for me, and, and your unbelievable saying that I love, right? Do it scared. It tracks. However, <laughs> I will say, do it scared safely, right? Yeah, so safely. If, if somebody happens to be listening to this podcast, that's a minor, that's young, that doesn't feel safe, or if you're in a job and if you come out you're for whatever your coming out is, whether it's, it's your sexual orientation, your identity, or the fact that you're no longer going to work under a certain type of person or with a certain... If quitting is going to mean you're going to get kicked out of your house and you don't have any place to live and no food, like do it safely, right? But ultimately what I'm here to tell you is these misalignments, a confrontation will happen. It is undeniable and inevitable, but we get to do it scared. Now, the other word I like to talk about, Renee, and I think you'll like this a lot because I know language is very important to you yes. and I've heard you talk on multiple occasions and you're very careful with your wording. I am now replacing the word fear with something else because I don't believe hmm. in fearless. Fearless is not a thing. Fearless, fear is a signpost. I want fear in my life. I welcome fear <laughs> because it's a signpost. It's a guide that tells me I'm pushing boundaries. I'm pushing my comfort zone. I'm pushing into those zones of excellence and genius. Frailty is what I want people to rid themselves of. And the reason I think that's important is because when we start with that feeling of like, ooh, oh, I can't, we start looking at what causes that. It's oftentimes the voices in our head that are society, indoctrination, expectations, limitations that hold us small. And all frailty does is make it so that we don't live large, live big, show up, be audacious. And so, you can live a life with fear in it as the signpost, as the guidepost, and you can live in a world where frailty is not the determining factor behind how you act. You act with committed and courageous action, thereby removing the frailty of, oh no, but what if? What if I ruffle feathers? What if somebody doesn't like me? You know, Renee, my favorite way to explain this to people is as a non-binary individual, especially in the state of Texas, I can frequently walk into a room and not even open my mouth or really do anything and be an inconvenient thing for people that may not align with my identity and my existence. And that's a them problem, not a me problem, especially considered it's literally my existence that's of concern to them. So if I can do that and I can exist in that world, then I want to tell your audience, you get to take bold, creative, audacious actions. And if somebody else has a problem with that, that's a them problem, not a you problem. I love it. Because you mentioned Texas, I feel like it would be remiss since we're recording this early March to not sort of dip a toe into politically what's happening in the in the states right now with the mm -hmm. drag queen bills and the fucking Tennessee. And I'm sorry if y'all live in Tennessee who are listening to this, but like, what the fuck is going on over there, you guys? Like, do you ever, I mean, I know you live in Texas, and but do you ever mm -hmm. feel unsafe? Is that, should that be a concern for people who are thinking about coming out as non-binary? What is your take on that? Yeah, so uh, I do live in, in a blueberry and a strawberry state is what I say. <laughs> I live in a very insulated area of the city of Dallas. I live in a small town called, well, small-ish town called Richardson. I feel largely very safe everywhere that I go inside the city. Um, 
when I get outside the city, it's a different story. Um, I recently uh, participated in, in the LGBTQ plus advocacy day in Austin. Uh, it was not a particularly warm reception at the House and Senate legislature, which was super disappointing. Uh, and we get to remember that safety is always the number one priority. I think the struggle for me is, uh, I'll highlight the twofold argument that's happening right now that that's the, there's so many things but I'm just going to I'm going to distill it down to two the absolute number one that really and truly and desperately crushes my soul is that there is an entire political effort to politicize children that need our love and our care and our unconditional support navigating something that I fought for 40 years at 41, with all of my knowledge and experience and the love and support of my wife and family, I had trouble navigating this. Now, I acknowledge that I grew up in a different time and I had less representation and maybe less language, but mm -hmm. the idea of a younger person knowing in their heart, in their head, who they are, and then being used as sort of like basically political warfare, it's heartbreaking and, and it gets to stop as soon as humanly possible. Agreed. The other things are an effort to legislate us out of existence. And I'm going to just use Tennessee's recent ban on gender affirming care and drag shows as the, as the quintessential example. Um, I have a, a client that we love that has been hiring us for seven years and uh, they did their event for two years in Nashville in Tennessee. And I loved it. It was a beautiful town. I got to see so much. The people seemed kind and, re and receptive. And at the time I wasn't publicly out. And one of the things I get to acknowledge is if my client had that event in that city again, I would not authentically be able to present myself in that city without fear of harassment and potentially arrest because the verbiage of the law is so broad that basically it indicates that anybody who is either a male or female impersonator that is trying to in any way uh, elicit a sexual nature or intonation can be stopped and potentially arrested. That tells me that uh, when you last saw me, Renee, and I was speaking and I was wearing a blouse and a skirt and makeup and, and earrings, I would right. be in violation of that law. That's right. And it's really just an effort to legislate us into silence and into dark corners. And this is the time where your question about sort of that gap or that movement between embracing it and taking ownership of it. I am an advocate. I will be an activist and I will not disappear or go quietly or hide. I will protect myself. I will be safe. I will be safe for my wife and my daughter, but we get to acknowledge that what they're talking about isn't really what they're talking about. They're trying to secure, right. and when I say they, people that are proponents of this bill and this That's law. Right. They're just trying to, I think, further a narrative that we're predators or that we're evil or that we're bad. And so we get to fight that. Now, I want to share with everybody a very strong belief that I have. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see that this is how I live because I post a lot of content about authenticity and a lot of it has to do with gender expansiveness in the DEI and our space. I do not believe that you can drive out darkness with more darkness or drive out hate with more hate. 
We drive out darkness with light and we drive out hate with love. And so I always respond with a positive response, an affirmative response. Sometimes that affirmative response is, I'm sure you're not very nice. <laughs> That's affirmative. <laughs> That's an affirmation that I have. But who hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm sorry that you're not happy with your station in life. I hope you find the joy that I found. And like, that's the best that we can do. Otherwise, we get to show up, we get to vote, we get to live in accordance and alignment with what we know our existence to be. And from that point forward, I really have said that until I feel directly threatened, I'm going to fight from the inside out. And when I say that, I mean, you know, the state legislature, the state laws and rules that are trying to be advanced in, in Texas, despite being insulated, are hateful of the LGBTQ plus two, uh, 2IA2 plus uh, community, and that's not okay. So I'm going to fight. Yeah. The only time I really have thought about relocating is if it gets to a point where um, I can't live here comfortably or my daughter will be negatively impacted, kind of like the unfortunate law that passed where, you know, the don't say gay kind of concept where right. my daughter's not allowed to talk about her family at school. I would never put in her, you know, in a situation where she felt like she can't uh, do that and would have to tell secrets. So I feel like you having me on this podcast, me telling my story, having other people see not only the idea of gender diversity and expansiveness, but also that we all are placed in positions where we feel like we have to hide and deny stuff. It does two things really well. It promotes education and it incites conversation. And those two things together, that's how we drive out darkness and hate all day long. All day long. All it's so long. preposterous to me that certain parts of our government want to villainize uh, non-binary folks, trans folks, LGBTQ folks, because in my lived experience, uh, I've never, I never, ever, ever, I mean, it's so preposterous to me that that would, that that, that, that would be um, true for people. And I, and I just want to say, you know, when we see these, this legislation, this overwhelming, like just cr soul crushing legislation come through, it just makes me think like our country has a huge gun problem, huge. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. the thing that we're not dealing with because they're throwing these, you know, these Trojan horses up, up that don't, that are, that's false. These are falsehoods that they're just putting in our way because it's a good headline and it's a way to distract from the actual thing that is happening in our country that is actually killing people. So I never really talk about politics on the show in such a specific way, but I, I just want to say that like, first of all, if you're surprised by it, I don't know what show you think you've been listening to over the past three years, but also, you know, don't believe everything you see on the news like that for years now, it has been fiction and it has been bullshit. And so Don, thank you for coming on the show and, and saying your truth, because I think this is what we need. We just need more people telling the actual truth in our small spaces to combat the super loud lie, lying voices out there. Well, you're entirely welcome. I want to thank you for creating this space that I found very safe to tell my story and my journey. And, you. you know, the, the political sphere is something that has been sort of quote unquote you know, off the table for, in my humble opinion, far too long. If, yeah. if you're committed to education and conversation and we can enter these arenas with open hearts and open minds and the best of intentions, these conversations not only like sort of quote unquote get to happen, but they really do desperately need to happen because that's how we affect change. And um, I use the word ignorant a lot 
uh, Renee, and I just want to throw this out there. If you are a self-proclaimed, quote-unquote, ignorant person with regards to the topics that Renee and I have been talking about today, whether it be gender expansiveness, uh, inclusivity, uh, the idea of authenticity and breaking free of the bounds that you've been held in because of society, any one of those, ignorance is just the absence of knowledge and experience. And you can clear that up real easily by educating yourself and going out and walking the walk and, and experiencing that because the narratives that we're oftentimes told, to Renee's point, they're not always the truth. They're a matter of perspective. And so um, live your life, have these chats, do these things, uh, and you'll be better for it. I love it. Don, before you go, I want you to tell everyone um, something, some new and exciting speaking opportunity that you have that I'm very excited for on your behalf. Tell us where you'll be this November. Yes, I'm so excited to be talking at uh, Wedding MBA in Las Vegas, November 6th through the 9th. Uh, it's really exciting for me because I'm going to be putting my hands together in applause at this opportunity because I get to talk about photography, but I also get to represent the um, LGBTQI2S plus moment, more specifically to be a non-binary speaker on stage. And the reason that's so exciting for me, Renee, is I say that oftentimes when I have the opportunity to speak, there's always a little bit of my story interwoven and the people in the audience, I hope have one of two, if not many epiphanies. Uh, the number one is the idea of, oh my gosh, I had no idea, right? This epiphany of education and understanding. And the other is, holy smokes, that person up there is just like me. They're gender expansive or diverse, they're queer and they're on stage. Life's getting better, uh, I see myself. And that's, uh, that's really wonderful. So I couldn't be more excited about it. I am so excited for you. Um, I'm also excited. I think I can drop this breadcrumb. Do you think I can a tiny breadcrumb that there yes. will be a meetup slash party TBD? We're not sure what it's being called um, this year at Wedding MBA for LGBTQ um, IA plus folks and allies. So stay tuned for more info on that. Um, I am going to be promoting that um, along with a lovely group of folks that are coming together to make that happen and so once i'm once i can say more about it i will but just put it in the back of your minds friends that there's a lot more to love about wedding mba this year yes and i would love to share with the audience if uh if i can be of any assistance to you at all on your journey you can find me everywhere literally everywhere at don mamoni even on the TikTok, which i'm actually kind of loving now even though i'm of the older generation uh, and I want to tell people that if you're specifically interested in learning more about gender diversity, expansiveness, what it is, what it isn't, how it's experienced and how we can kind of move the needle forward. I have a really beautiful keynote talk that I did in Las Vegas, as well as a download resource that you can download at thegenderguide.com. And I'm sure that Renee and her team can put that in the show notes, but it's been really well received from a perspective of um, parents and individuals who are just trying to learn and grow managers and business owners and entrepreneurs who are interacting with the the more of us that are courageous enough to come out they're like this is really brilliant this is really simplified i understand this better so go to thegenderguide.com and check it out we will and we'll put that in the show notes as well oh don thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us you you're just a delight Thank you, Renee. It was such a pleasure to be here. You know that when you put out the call, if it's an opportunity to interact with you in any way, the answer is always an unresounding yes. Oh, you're the sweetest. Well, we'll just have to spend more time together. 
grab yes, Emily let's and do that. we'll meet each other in Vegas. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> Don, thanks again. And for everyone else listening, you know what I'm going to say, because I say it every week. I'd like to remind you that your time is a valuable resource and it's something that you don't get to make any more of. And so I'm very, very grateful that you chose to spend this time with us. We will see you friends next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 